We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Wednesday, November 30th, 2022. A lot of White Sox news is coming down the pipe, so it merits a new episode. Plus, Fangraphs released their 2023 Zips projections, Boy, they are not pretty on the position player side. Our friend Dan Zaborski will join me later in the show to share his thoughts about where the White Sox are before heading into the winter meetings. First, the Houston Astros introduced Jose Abreu yesterday, signing him to a three-year, $60 million contract. Now, decision-making in Houston is a bit weird these days. Astros owner Jim Crane is handling general manager duties along with ex-Astros great Jeff Bagwell assisting. Bagwell was part of the Astros pitch team to Abreu earlier this month. Some in Houston think Crane is trying to be baseball's Jerry Jones. Let's see if that actually happens, but if you're wondering if Abreu's deal is a bit of an overpay, well, it was the owner doing the negotiations. Nevertheless, Abreu will now don a Houston Astros uniform in 2023 and will step right into the batter's box at opening day facing his old squad on national TV on Thursday night, March 30th, 2023. Yay. Abreu was asked if the White Sox made an attempt to re-sign him. Now, there's a bit of a loss in translation with what Abreu actually said. At first, it was reported that the White Sox made an offer, a very good offer, but Abreu decided to sign with Houston and left it at that. What Abreu actually said in Spanish was the White Sox made an offer, but not an official offer. Imagine buying a house, telling the owner of that house you'll pay this much, but don't put it in writing for them to sign and make it official. That's basically what the White Sox did with Abreu. Astros gave Abreu something to sign, which he did. Later in that day, the White Sox held a press conference to announce their 2023 coaching staff. We'll have more analysis later this week in another podcast episode as we preview the upcoming winter meetings. But your White Sox 2023 coaching staff, obviously manager Pedro Grafal, bench coach Charlie Montoyo, pitching coach Ethan Katz, bullpen coach Kurt Hasler, 
a new face at hitting coach, Jose Castro. He was with the Atlanta Braves organization since 2015, also had stints in Seattle and the Chicago Cubs. Assistant hitting coach Chris Johnson, who was the Charlotte Knights hitting coach last year. Major League Field Coordinator Mike Tosar, we've already talked about that. Senior Director of Sports Performance Jeff Head, he comes over from the Cincinnati Reds at a very similar role as he'll be helping the White Sox with their sports performance department. The third base coach, Eddie Rodriguez, he spent the last six years with the Kansas City Royals as their minor league coordinator. He was also their third base coach from 2011 to 2013. At one point, Rodriguez was the Montreal Expos bench coach. He's been coaching for a while. First base coach, Daryl Boston, who will be focused on helping the outfielders as the base running duties now fall under Charlie Mantoyo. Of course, it's Daryl Boston, who will now be coaching and be employed under his fourth different manager with the White Sox. In that same press conference, Rick Hahn addressed the Jose Abreu signing with Houston and doubled down on his feelings about Andrew Vaughn, being bullish about his upcoming season as Vaughn will not be playing in the outfield and could finally settle on playing at first base. The Zips agree with Rick Hahn about Andrew Vaughn. What about the rest of the White Sox current roster? Well, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but Dan Zaborski of Fangraphs.com joins us next on the Sox Machine Podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us to discuss the Chicago White Sox 2023 Zips projections is our best friend of the show. From Fangraphs.com, it's Dan Zaborski. And hello, Dan. Thanks for coming back. And uh, any chance you can ask Zips to run better-looking 50th percentile projections? I can't, because remember, I just steal from the Zips guy, uh, so I don't really have authority to do it. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can withhold his 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 mineral gruel, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, he's weak enough as it is. I'm, I mean, I'm barely keeping the guy alive, so there's not really much more I can do. So it's kind of going to have to go with what we have. Got it. Well, that is uh, very unfortunate because the 50th percentile projections, which you can check out on Fangraphs.com, not great. And we've been talking a long time, Dan. In a way, you have went through the White Sox rebuild with White Sox fans, hoping it will turn into something great for all the effort that they put into with the rebuild and trading away players. 
But after Tony La Russa and last year's offseason, it's pretty clear you think the White Sox front office hasn't finished the work in building a championship contender. Do you still feel that way after looking at the Zips projections? That That's kind of how I feel. And I kind of felt that way last year, especially when we were at the trade deadline and and not much happened. Uh, it it feels a lot. I, I, I used the Mitch Hedberg quote for uh, uh, in my piece that they just they're going to Everest and they're just kind of hanging out at base camp and just decided that base camp is cool. We don't really need to go to the summit. We just hang out here with a sweater and have some hot chocolate. Uh, it, it just feels like that when the time came to really push forward over the top, then not much happened. It's like they spent all their ammunition getting to where they are and that they felt that all they had to do is just patch a few holes here and there to to get over the top. And that's not really how it's going to work. Uh, if you want to maximize your chances of winning a, a World Series, you need to get to the postseason repeatedly uh, and you, you do need to start. You know, consider where the payroll is. If if you can't spend that much more, then maybe you shouldn't have spent quite as much on relief pitching or 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 AJ Pollock uh, uh, or or whatever, really. Yeah, because looking at the defending world champion, the Houston Astros, much is made about how much homegrown talent that they've had, but they've also made some big trades like Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. They signed Michael Brantley, and he was very productive. I know he wasn't so much last year, but. He's produced for them. Like the, the Houston Astros have a good blend, I believe, in building homegrown talent like the White Sox were aiming to do, building their core, but supplementing that core with elite talent. And that's just something that we've been missing on the south side of Chicago. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Astros, and when they go over the top, they, they do have their homegrown talent, but they will also bring in the right piece to fill a hole. Uh, I think of Jose Abreu. Uh, which is probably twisting the knife a little bit, but just like he's the perfect... If if he were a free agent and the White Sox had never had a relationship with him, he's the kind of player the White Sox should go after and say, hey, we need someone to be a first-base DH. Uh, we'll overpay for it because we're every marginal win where we are is extremely valuable. We're not a 70-win team. We're you know, like an 83 or 84-win team or somewhere around there. Uh, and, then, and, you, and then you make it happen. That's what the Astros do. They did it with... Abreu, they'll overpay for kind of that certainty. They did it with Gurriel. They they they, ag- they aggressively traded for Mancini. Didn't quite work out for them, but they do fill their holes when they arise. And the Dodgers do that too. They fill their holes as they arise. Uh, and it feels like the, the White Sox are just kind of out of ammo and whatever you got is what you got at this point. So when you look at the Zips projections, what do you consider is the White Sox team strength as we speak before the winter meetings? I think the rotation is still excellent if it stays healthy. I'm not really crazy about the Mike Clevenger signing simply because I actually think at this point he's kind of a reclamation project. You look at his his recovery from, you know, injury, his his contact rate has blown up, his his swings and misses have gone down. He's lost a couple of miles from his fastball from, from 2019. He was not a good pitcher in 2022 at all. That the Padres had to use him in the playoffs was more that they couldn't trust Sean Manea and they had some injuries and and there wasn't really a desire. And, you know, one look at Clevenger and they stopped using him in the playoffs. But I'm not excited about that trade, because I mean, that signing, because, you know, it is, it is money and, you know, two of those signings gets you, you know, $24 million in a year. And then you can bring someone who's actually a difference maker, not just, meh, he's okay for a fifth starter. Yeah. And there's also questions 
about next year for the White Sox. Lance Lynn could be not brought back. The White Sox have a club option. Lucas Giolito is a free agent. Signing Clevenger, my concern is that he doesn't give you insurance for next year. And I don't know if he really elevates this starting rotation. We still could be talking about in 2024 that the White Sox rotation is Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, and three new faces that they decide to get out of Lance Lynn's contract. There's just not a lot of long-term certainty when it comes to the White Sox starting staff. Yeah, uh, when, when I ask about signing a player, I always say, does the player help us win now or does the player help us win later? And if you can't answer either of those questions in the affirmative, then it's you kind of ask, okay, then why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and in Clevenger's case, I think he's a better reclamation project on a pillow deal for a team that doesn't have a lot going for them, like someone like the Royals who might be able to rehab him. I'm not positive about that, but just as a theoretical. I, I'm not crazy about him on a contender. I think the White Sox are better off paying for a little more certainty, even if it's not as efficient financially. But, I mean... If they do turn him around, uh, he's still just another starter with an injury risk, and then he's gone next year, and the White Sox have the same basic problem, that Giolito's a free agent, uh, they have to pick up the club option for Lance Lynn, as you said, that's $18 million, and you know, $18 million for him, $15 million for Hendricks, uh, I guess they do have a club option for Joe Kelly at $9.5 million, I mean these things really add up over time and so what are you gonna do i i'm just not super stoked about the team's depth i guess is what i'd get at now, neither are we this is something we've been also harping on for the white Sox: is that the depth is uh paper thin right now uh basically stay healthy is the white Sox strategy going into 2023 offensively and steamers projections also agree with this it seems lacking Zips doesn't see Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, or Loy Jimenez reaching 500 plate appearances with their 50th percentile projection. That's a concern. Only three hitters have an OPS plus above 110, and that is Robert, Jimenez, and Andrew Vaughn. Grundahl, McCott, and Anderson are projected to have an OPS plus between 100 and 110. With the Bray, you signing with the Houston Astros, focusing on Andrew Vaughn for a moment. It is time for him to take the torch at first base. How big of a leap in year three does Vaughn take, Dan? Well, Zips is actually fairly optimistic about uh, his his offense. It has him for an OPS plus of 124. It has him developing a little more power. It has, has him at 28 home runs, which I was kind of surprised to see. Uh, I, I guess it's something I'm going to have to dig deeper into that. Uh, I think generally the problem is when you look at the offense is go back and think about how you felt about players going into 2022. And think about how you feel about them now. How many players do you really think that you actually feel better about now than you did last year? It's like uh, Sebi Zavaya. It's like, is that the guy who you feel better at? Is that the is that the key talent? So I guess that's a question for you. Who do you feel better about this year than last year? That's a good question. Uh, I would say, you know, Eloy Jimenez hit really well in 84 games. But the question is, can you play more than... 130 games and that's the problem do you do you actually do you do you feel that he's if you had to if someone very rudely put a gun to your head and said okay last year how many games is he going to play how many games is he going to play this year has that number for you gone up or down i'm gonna say up because he has to be dh and rick Hahn has alluded to the fact that he impressed at dh and that might be the white Sox 
plans going into this season is just making a full-time DH. Yeah, that would be the the best solution to this. Uh, uh, you want ideally Jimenez at his DH, which I think always should have been the the plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want Vaughn at first base or DH, not in outfield. He gave it his best shot. I it's hard to blame the guy for being thrown into a position that he wasn't like not a natural at because the team essentially did not plan well. They said, oh. As I alluded to again in my article, my 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 snark was that the the team had two young talented DHs and decided between them by making neither of them the DH, which is kind of what's happened in recent years. I I'm I'm I mean I'm optimistic there, but I just think that I just feel worse about the team generally. I don't feel any better about the second base situation. I don't feel that much better about the extra outfield situation, uh, outfield spot. I obviously like Mankata less than I did last year at this point. Mm-hmm. Tim Anderson, I mean, he he missed a lot of time. He wasn't quite at his usual level of play even before that. So if the White Sox didn't do enough last year, they had to do even more this year because they start from a little behind. Uh, I mean, really, their saving grace is that the rest of the division isn't very good and isn't very ambitious. Yes, well, we'll see with the Minnesota Twins. They surprised us last year, and maybe they have another surprise up their sleeve. And Cleveland, they have a good core, but you are right. They are not very ambitious when making additions. You mentioned second base and not feeling good about second base. This has been a conversation going on within White Sox circles of, listen, there's not great free agent second baseman out there. Second base is widely known as not a great offensive position. Maybe give the internal guys a shot because they are cheap and you can spend those resources elsewhere to address the outfield and the starting pitching depth. I look at these projections, and I am more convinced than ever that the White Sox should figure out a way to get Colton Wan from the Milwaukee Brewers. These are not pretty projections with the internal guys. Is this the biggest area of need, in your opinion, or is there a bigger area of need for the White Sox to adjust this offseason? I, I, I would want another outfielder, but I do think a second baseman uh, is, is key. Because even if, presumably, Garcia will not see time that much there, uh, the fact that he's on the roster is a little scary still, even with with a new manager. Uh, second base probably worries me the most, and I even kind of have catcher in the back of my mind simply because I I am worried about Grandall. He did not play well when in the brief moments he was healthy last year, uh, and Wong of course is a good fit. He's a natural second baseman who doesn't have a massive deal. But then you also get the question like, what do the Brewers want in return for them? The 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 White Sox farm system is better. But there's still not a lot of, like, you know, super-duper value to trade. I mean, you're not going to trade, you know, Colson Montgomery or Brian Ramos for, for Colton Wong, I presume. No. And it, it's, it's, it's still not a farm system that has produced, like, a lot of, of trade value. Uh, if, if, you were, if you were playing a game of Civilization, you have not mined many resources. You do not have eight. You cannot trade with Gandhi before he nukes you. <laughs> Sorry, I was playing Civilization last night. See, everything I, I reference is just things that I were playing. I, I referenced Hedberg because I was listening to him last week. I referenced Civilization because I was playing that last night. And uh, I was playing World of Warcraft, too, but I haven't referenced that yet. Well, not yet. Uh, we got this question from one of our Patreon supporters, as in Rec, and they wrote to us, which statement is more accurate? Gavin Sheets is an outfielder or a hot dog is a sandwich? Oh, God. Uh well, a hot dog's definitely not a sandwich, so I have to say Gavin Sheets is more accurate. Hmm. Do you think he is an outfielder? <laughs> I mean, he he can play out there more than 
a hot dog can pretend it's a sandwich because a hot dog isn't a bad sandwich. A hot dog just isn't a mm. sandwich. Does that make sense? I think I follow the line of logic. It makes <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> uh, speaking of the outfield, Oscar Colas. Dan, I'm 90% sure he's going to be in the opening day lineup for the White Sox, playing one of the outfield corners, I think most likely right field. What does Zips think of Colas going into 2023? I mean, Zips does see him having considerable upside, but the problem is it's so uncertain. It's a little like when they aggressively promoted Andrew Vaughn that, you know, he had missed a year of, of the minors and he had never played at the high levels. And it's the same with Colas. I mean, he played very well in the low minors, but the problem is he was young to be playing in the Sally League. Uh, and even in the you, you, in, in Birmingham, in, in the Southern League, offense in the minors went up a lot this year. And I think people don't always grasp that. And this was one of the biggest scoring seasons for the Pacific Coast League. Obviously, that doesn't apply to, to Colos because Charlotte's in the International League. But just across the league, across minor leagues, while while the majors have gone one way, the, ma the minors went the opposite direction and became just across the board more just offense. So... Generally speaking, there's more air to take out of stats of minor league hitters from last year uh, and less air to take out of the stats of, of major league, minor league pitchers this year. Uh, and I was joking, but it's actually true, that like pitchers for... Uh, uh, in, in pitchers in hitters parks in the Pacific Coast League, their their translated ERAs actually go down in the majors, uh, like the Arizona Diamondbacks. An ERA, uh, 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 a AAA for them actually goes down in Arizona just because of the the massive difference in the offensive environments. Uh, so I think that you do have to take a lot of air out of out of out of Colos, and it's just there's a lot of uncertainty there, and I'm not sure that the White Sox should be at a place where they're playing with that amount of uh, uh, risk. That's kind of a thing that they should have been do doing like three or four years ago, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily when they're in, in contention, where there's, you know, there's such an urgency about it. One idea that I've been pitching, especially with my off-season plan project, is the White Sox trading Liam Hendricks to address some of these roster holes. Am I crazy with this idea, Dan, or do you see this as a viable option? I mean, it's a viable option if we're going to say... What's a good idea? I don't necessarily think that the brain trust in the high levels of the White Sox mm. would do that. Uh, mm. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, I have I have more faith in Rick Hahn than I do in in Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf. Okay, let's just say. Okay. Uh, I, I I I'll be honest. I don't know how much Rick Hahn is really spinning things here. I think when Larusa was here, he might have been like the fourth man on the totem pole. Mm. Yeah, true. Or there, I'm not really, he wasn't actually in uh, near Cincinnati. That's where I am. So I'm not really here, but in your house. Yes. <laughs> okay, that didn't make sense either. Just, <laughs> just forget all that, people listening. <laughs> the reason I, I pitched the idea is like the Los Angeles Dodgers could use a closer. There was some high leverage trust issues between Dave Roberts and Craig Kimbrell. Craig Kimbrell's gone. The Dodgers have a very loaded farm system. They have guys ready to play in the majors, but they're kind of blocked in AAA because of the existing talent the Dodgers have, and maybe even the New York Yankees as well could be interested. As you mentioned with the farm system, the White Sox are going to trade Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos. So if they are going to trade anyone, maybe from the roster, I, I view Hendricks as having the most trade value, or is there somebody else in this roster that you think the White Sox could flip 
to address other holes. I think Hendricks is a good candidate. Uh, I'm not sure specifically the Dodgers, simply because I think they might want a starting picture right now just to kind of fatten it up after, because, you know, Walker Buehler is going to miss the entire 2023 season. Uh, Kershaw is is always an injury risk at this point in his career because uh, of that back. Uh, and they're not really as, as deep as they've been in recent years, uh, even though even though you couldn't tell that when they led the league in ERA in, in 2022. But the Dodgers do like to have as much depth as they can. Uh, so I think they're going to more likely go after a starting pitcher. But I think there are places that you can convince to do that. Like the Mets. The Mets, most of their, obviously, uh, uh, Edwin Diaz is the, uh, is the closer, but... If they're going to go, you know, a little non-traditional, they could have a one-two punch because, you know, most of the rest of their bullpen is kind of a free agent this year. Uh, it's Edwin Diaz, then it, you know, drops down like Jeff Brigham and Drew Smith very quickly. And, you know, the Mets are intent on spending money and convincing them that Hendricks is a pretty good buy might be fun. Maybe you can pick up Mark Vientos or something, hmm. someone who can kind of... You know, hedge your bets with Colas. If both Colas and Vientos hit, all of a sudden you have a surplus of talent, which can be used when players are injured. Imagine that. <laughs> what an idea. What a concept. Uh, another question we got from one of our Patreon supporters, Aloha, Mr. Hand, uh, is asking, what do you think the current version of the White Sox ceiling is, and what does their floor look like? I think they have, uh, I mean, a pretty decent ceiling because – you look at the pitching staff, if you have, you know, a Cease Gilito, Lynn Kopech, Clevenger rotation, and they all stay healthy, that is a really good rotation. My complaints, are, of course, are because most of the time these rotations don't stay healthy. People are always like, we have five great pitchers. Well, you know, the reality is you're not going to get 162 starts from five pitchers. Your sixth starter is going to get someone, your seventh guy, and your eighth guy, and your ninth guy, and maybe your tenth guy. Who are these guys? You you want to know, and teams are going to need those guys. But if it stays together, I, it's, a, it's a really solid rotation. It's not, it doesn't start off concerning like, like say, the Orioles rotation does. Uh, and there is a lot of upside. I mean, Yohan Mankata did not have a good season by any stretch of the imagination, but he's had terrific seasons before. Robert, if he's healthy for a full season, could be, you know, an, an all-star center fielder. Uh, Jimenez could, could put up huge offensive numbers. Uh, Tim Anderson, uh, uh he, you know, he can hit 330 in any given year. Uh, there is, you know, this can be a 95-96 win team uh, without anything too crazy happening, but a lot has to come up heads, and I don't think they've necessarily done everything they can to try to increase the odds of that outcome. With the winter meetings approaching, what do you think makes sense for the White Sox to add via trade or free agency? Are, are there any particular players that you see out in the market that, you know what, they would be a good fit for the White Sox. Well, does it have to be something that they would do? <laughs> no, it could be anyone. Uh, because I would love to see the White Sox in the mix for Carlos Correa. I think between second base, shortstop, and third base, you can figure out how to use Tim Anderson, Yohan Mankata, and Carlos Correa among those positions. Mm. Uh, he expressed an interest, uh, a willingness to not necessarily play shortstop. Uh, I think that with you'd have to obviously have some discussions with your talent and, and Correa before you committed to anything, but that's the kind of signing I would like the White Sox to make. They were bummed that they didn't get Manny Machado a few years ago. Well, you know, here's you know a, a chance to remedy that situation, even if you can't get Machado himself. Uh, I, I do think that they should be looking at the top part of the market. 
I don't think they're going to, though, which, of course, is the problem. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about if you're not going to get Correa, obviously you're not going to get involved in, in Aaron Judge. I can't see the team, uh, you know, bringing Jacob DeGrom at this point because like, we have five starters. Why would we need him? I, I would like to see, say, the team go after uh, maybe Brandon Nimmo. Mm -hmm. I think he does give the team some, some flexibility in that outfield. Someone, because, you know, you put him in, in right field, uh, Robert in, in center, and Robert is injured, and all of a sudden you're not playing Louis, Leary Garcia out there. Leary, I, I can never say his name. It drives me nuts. Uh, you have a legitimate center fielder in Nimmo, not, not an all-star, but kind of like George Springery. Uh, he can play it, not necessarily just go glove. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would like to see Nimmo. Uh, I, I think, you know, bringing like Jean Segura would, would be an interesting play to make. See, that is interesting. I haven't thought about him since the postseason. What do you think he could possibly command? The thing is, I don't think he's going to command a lot. He's very average. And the thing is, the White Sox are one of the teams that an average player is an upgrade at second base. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Especially when looking at the Zips projections. And I guess we'll end it here. Basically, stay healthy, right? That's... That's the hope here for the White Sox. I mean, any hope that they have of reaching their ceiling and based on the budget and their recent spending habits and, and transaction history. If you're a White Sox fan listening to this, the hope is stay healthy. Yeah, I think unless the team does more, is more aggressive this offseason than I expect, they really need to have you know roll good some good numbers roll roll a few lucky numbers uh you know roll doubles in monopoly uh when land on free parking they had that the injury is kind of not be a problem because they will need some luck there given the state of the current roster well you can follow dan on twitter he's at d and read his excellent work on fangraphs.com and he also hosts a weekly chat there as well so if you have questions about the white Sox or anything in baseball or about if hot dogs are truly sandwiches, or should I have beans in my chili? No. <laughs> Again, you can go to Fangraphs.com. Dan, as always, thanks for coming back on the show, and uh, hopefully we chat soon when the White Sox make another move this offseason. Thanks for having me, Josh. We always have fun. That will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you just discovered Sox Machine, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at SoxMachine underscore Josh. We have a YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash SoxMachine. And we also have a Patreon if you would like to help support us if you enjoy our work. Sign up at Patreon.com slash SoxMachine where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag, they're the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2 or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. 
ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.